Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community practicing the way of Jesus and thirsting for the life he gives. Good morning, everyone. How are y'all doing? Any of you got Taylor Swift tickets? <laughs> what, really? <laughs> um, amazing. Okay, what have, I st- what have I started? I thought about, I thought about talking about like, you know, t- I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll bring up how like the World Cup is starting today. And I was like, oh, that hasn't gone well bringing up sports at Church at the Wall. Maybe, maybe Taylor Swift. So I'll add that to my pocket for, for the future. I know normally I'm like, Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, I know you all are good. Sports, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about, Ian. Taylor Swift, some Swifties in the room. Okay. Good morning. Today we are, oh, also, you know what I wanted to let you all know? I got a picture of Adam and Chris today. They finished their Camino walk today. So I got a picture from them at the end. Um, It was a picture of their faces, not their legs, but I could tell that their legs were tired based on the way that their faces looked. Um, so just all of you who are praying for them on that, I know that they are grateful for, for you. So, um, that's cool. You're going to get to hear from Adam next week, and I think he's going to share a little bit about that walk with you all. So, uh, if you're here next Sunday, you will get to hear from Adam himself. But this morning, we're wrapping up our series, exploring a prayer of Jesus's in John chapter 17. It's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus. And we see Jesus praying to the Father. We see Jesus praying for the disciples who were are, who are present, the, the disciples who were in the room, you might say. And we also see Jesus praying for his future disciples as well. Uh, verse 20, John 17, verse 20. Uh, this first verse here, my prayer is not for them alone, speaking about the disciples who are there with him. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Pause there for a moment. We're reading here in this prayer, as we've been in John 17 for the last few weeks, a prayer of Jesus where he actually not only um, like has us on his heart, but he's spoken about us with his words. He's praying for us here. Let's reflect on that for a moment before we jump back in. This is Jesus praying for you, praying for I, praying for those who are his disciples, praying for those who will be his disciples. It's powerful. Let's continue. This is is his prayer. This is how he, he wraps up his prayer. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one, as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. We're seeing a little bit of a theme there, right? Last week, when Abby took us through uh, verses uh, 13 through 18, we were seeing Jesus use this word belong over and over again. Here we're seeing a lot of uh, unity here, right? This word unity, if we're watching it. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them, even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory 
the glory which you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Amen. So as we've seen over the last few weeks, this is a powerful prayer. As I mentioned, it's, it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus's, but it's also prayed at a pivotal moment in Jesus's life in the gospel narrative. It's just before his crucifixion. And Jesus here is revealing his desires and he's illuminating the heart of God through his prayer. So it's not only a model of prayer, but he's actually illuminating his desires. Father, I want, and he's revealing the heart of God here, which includes Jesus's desire for the church, Jesus's desire for the community of God. Last week, Abby preached a sermon titled Three Marks of a Life that Belongs to God, and she invited us to consider how those who belong to God might look a little bit differently, how they will define success differently, how they will learn to rest freely, and how they will face the future with hope. In this week, we're going to be shifting our focus a little bit from God's heart for us as individuals to God's heart for us as a community. We see here that the desire of Jesus and the heart of God is that the community of God or the church would be known by their unity. That's the desire of Jesus. So um, one of the formative, uh, a first thing that's kind of important to note about unity here is um, unity is not uniformity. And unity is not conformity either. One of the formative metaphors when Church at the Well was formed, kind of when we got started, was the metaphor of a mosaic. And actually, three people prayed about a mosaic in our pre-service prayer without knowing that I was going to bring this up today. Um, And so I think there's still something there, uh, something in our roots. And this metaphor of a mosaic is really taken from this idea of that the church is made out of a bunch of broken pieces being put together by God to make something beautiful. And so unity is not conformity, and it's not uniformity. And I believe this, that as you become a part of the church family here, I believe that you change and shape who we are, that you are a unique gift to the rest of us, that God has created you to be uniquely you and has called you to contribute in a way that only you can contribute. Can I get an amen? Some of y'all aren't there yet, and that is okay. Uh, A a few places I've seen this. um, I I, I think of Abby specifically when, not just when Abby, uh, Abby's always been a part of the church, but when Abby came on staff um, and joined the preaching team, how that began to change and shape who we expressed ourselves as a church community. Abby had a high value for prayer and service, and so prayer and service were coming up and were being brought up in ways that they weren't before. And, and, and Abby has this unique capacity 
to see those in our church community who might go unseen otherwise. Um, and that began to change in the shape, the way that we talked and thought and gathered, not only as a staff, but also kind of organized as a church. I think of my friend Jordan here who emceed. By the way, Jordan, when you do a great job at emceeing, I love it. I love it. Not only because it's a great job, but because that means I get to do it a little bit less. Um, so, uh, Jordan, you're amazing at announcements, so thank you for that. Um, but not only does Jordan alleviate some of that announcement duties from me, which I really appreciate, but when Jordan joined our church, I think he's begun to show us and is showing us a way to live missionally in our world and amongst our peers and our coworkers and our friends and sharing Jesus uh, with those who might not otherwise come to a church uh, room like this, right? Um, and so that's one of the ways I think that Jordan is changing, shaping uh, our church community, showing uh, me that you can do church around a dinner table. It's not just at Main Street Landing with a screen behind us and someone who stands up here and delivers a sermon. I think about Kayla, who's shown our church what hospitality and welcoming looks like. I, I, I can't count on all of my fingers how many times I've seen Kayla walk up to someone new and invite them to lunch right away. I, I kind of like to feel people out before I grab lunch with them. Kayla's just ready to show God's hospitality and, and welcoming. And so um, all of those people, and I, and I could continue to go kind of around the room and uh, call you all out in the ways in which you being uniquely you and being called to contribute in a way that only you can contribute by God have changed and shaped our church community. Um, and so you also change who we are and will change who we are as a church family. You might understand some of the ways in which you are doing that, um, but I also believe that the beauty of community is that community helps us along in the discovery process. So you might not see that, you might not understand that yet, but you're, as you step into community, you learn who you are in Christ and you discover what God has called you to. I have a quote here from Erwin McManus, who's a pastor out in L.A., coincidentally of, maybe not coincidentally, of a church called Mosaic. Um, and he says this, the more isolated and disconnected we are, not in community, not in unity, the more shattered and distorted our self-identity. So it's not just how we exist in community, but that actually shapes us. We are not healthy when we are alone. We find ourselves when we connect to others. Without community, we don't know who we are. When we live outside of healthy community, we not only lose others, we lose ourselves. Who we understand ourselves to be is dramatically affected for better or worse by those we hold closest to us. So not only does unity allow for our unique individuality, it, can also, it also can and should allow for diversity. So unity helps us understand who we are, but it, it can and should allow for diversity. Uni unity is not conformity and is not uniformity. So within unity, there can and should be cultural, ethnic diversity, diversity of opinion and thought. 
um, unity doesn't require us to agree on everything. Thank goodness. We're united in and through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. That's what holds us together as a church community. Rich Viotas says this. He's a pastor in Queens, New York. We are called to be one in Christ. Being one in Christ doesn't mean that we agree on everything. It means that we are living in mutual, self-giving love, looking to the interest of our neighbor, our sisters and brothers in Christ, and taking orders from Jesus, not the surrounding world. The other thing I've noticed about unity, other than that it's not conformity or uniformity, is that unity is difficult and messy. Can I get an amen? Has anyone else noticed that? While I, I believe Jesus' prayer, Jesus is praying for unity, I believe it will be answered in that complete unity. I believe this. It's ultimately a gift from God. I also believe the invitation and the journey towards unity is difficult and messy. And if we're going to get there with God's help and grace, we need to be committed to it because it's difficult and messy. Um, I went to college in Portland, Oregon, and while I was there, I was a part of a local church, and I was very involved. I was a part of uh, different ministry leadership teams, and I, I, I served, and it was, it was a larger church, um, but I, I was really kind of plugged in and rooted there. And I decided between my junior year and my senior year to come to Vermont and live here for a few months and just to kind of see if I liked it. It turns out I liked it, which is why I'm here. But I took that period of time, and when I went back to college and, uh, to finish my senior year, I found myself a little bit uprooted from that community because I had left, and I and actually kind of experienced a, a difficult time, a, a kind of a pain and a loss of some of the, the positions I had in that community. And I had a decision to make in that moment whether I was going to be committed to the church space I was in and to be defined by the unity that Jesus invites me into or if I was going to de be defined by my hurt or my pain. And so uh, I, I decided that I was going to continue uh, to serve and be rooted in that church community despite some really kind of difficult things that I'll, I'll spare you all of the details from, but there are moments in which we find ourselves in the midst of community when we've been hurt, when we're experiencing pain, and it's going to take a deep commitment to unity and rootedness in, the, in unity through Christ in order to kind of remain in that space. I want to add a caveat here as well. This doesn't mean that we tolerate abuse or remain in toxic environments or toxic churches. God's desire for you, for all of us, is shalom. It's wholeness. Um, and so unity is not blind obedience to toxic cultures, toxic leaders, systems, structures. In fact, there probably comes times when God will call us to peacefully, I believe peacefully, Leave communities, leave situations like that, leave contexts 
like that. With that said, I believe we're also prone to giving up on community too quickly. We, we often give up when we face any sort of difficulty. Um, I don't like the things like, I don't like the chairs, right? Or uh, a believer versus a Swifty, right? There's too many believers in this church. They sing sloppy, wet kiss. I like un the David Crowder version, unforeseen kiss. Or if you're like me, you don't like either line. Both are kind of strange. Who authored the book of Hebrews? And then there's bigger things, right? That we are actually called to stay and work through for the sake of unity, differences of opinion, moments when we've been hurt, harmful words, moments when we've felt forgotten. Uh, there's a proverb, one of my favorite proverbs. Uh, I believe we have this on the screen. Where there are no oxen, the manger is clean. But abundant crops come by the strength of the ox. And everyone said, Ian, what in the world do oxen have to do with unity and communion? Here's the thing. There's not a church community here in Vermont or anywhere for that matter where you won't experience difficulty or more likely relational hurt and pain and frustration Yes, even here at Church at the Well. Why? Because the church has people in it. Imperfect, broken people. Here's the thing. Where there are no people, the church is clean. But meaning and beauty come through a community of people united through Christ but there will sometimes be poop in the stable that needs to be cleaned up. But I promise you, it's worth it because we need each other. And so that's why we need to each make the decision to be committed to unity because we give up too easily when we come to difficulty, when we've been hurt. Uh, something Lydia prayed this morning, and she actually prayed it during worship today, brought up something else that I, I, I was thinking about. So not only do we give up on community too easily when we experience pain or hurt from other people, but there are times as well when we give up on community because we don't see ourselves as valuable or worthy to be a part of that community. And that is also not true. That is also a false narrative. And so we need to be a people who are committed to unity. Uh, we're invited to unity through Jesus. And here's the beautiful thing, that unity is a gift we receive when we're with Jesus. So it's difficult and messy, and it's something we work with. Let's read verse 23 again. Jesus prays this, I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. In week one, uh, which I got to preach, we discussed how the Trinity which is God revealed as Father, Son, and Spirit, uh, is revealed in this prayer. And Trinity, God as Trinity, provides for us an example and an image of complete unity. And so what happens as we behold Jesus, we also behold Trinity 
and the self-giving mutual love that has existed between Father, Son, and Spirit for all of eternity. This means then, if that's what happens when we behold Jesus, we also behold God as Trinity. That means that beholding and contemplation become amazing tools for us on our journey towards unity through Christ. Remember Rich's words from earlier, being one in Christ doesn't mean that we agree on everything. It means that we are living in, self, in mutual self-giving love in the same way that we behold when we behold Jesus. That's not, it's not an easy calling, but we have an example in Jesus. We have an example in the Trinity, and we're given the grace to pursue unity through that example, and it's brought to complete unity through the power of the Spirit. Um, and so I'm not going to give you a list of some helpful tools, but I will say if you'd like some helpful tools on beholding or contemplation, you can go back and listen to our Being with Jesus series podcast, which is, you don't have to scroll back too far. It just is like two months ago. So uh, you can find that. Uh, another thing that happens as we are brought to unity in community, we are brought to unity in order to partner with Jesus' mission in the world. Verse 22 and 24 of this prayer. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. Why? Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am. I want to see and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Now, in the context of John's gospel, I'm just going to give a brief summary. You can go back a few years and listen to our John series if you want a further explanation uh, of this. But in the context of John's gospel, the word glory and glorify, they take on a greater meaning. We're told that the glory of Jesus in the gospel of John is ultimately revealed in his crucifixion. So it's kind of an upside down revealing of glory in the kingdom of God. When Jesus spoke about the hour having come, he said, when Jesus said, the hour has come, Father, where I, was going, where I will be glorified, he was speaking of the cross, which is why it's important for us to interpret glory in this prayer in the larger context of John and the narrative. To display the glory of, the, the glory of Christ to the world around us as we're united, this is what Jesus prays will happen. To display the glory of Christ to the world around us is to be known as people of the cross, to be known as a community which embodies selfless giving of Christ through cruciform love and action. We are commissioned and empowered to give ourselves as a community for the benefit of the world around us. As Abby preached last week, we are not called to belong to the world, but we are called, we are called to be in the world. Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He did not teach us to pray, get us out of this place. As we find our identity in the center of God's life, we are empowered to partner with God in his work of renewing, redeeming, reconciling the world through Jesus. Not through power of force or coercion, but through cruciform love and action, looking like Jesus. Lastly, 
When we are brought together in unity as a community, we are united in God's love. Not only for mission, but it's essential in order for us to experience and share God's love. This is how Jesus finishes his prayer. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known. Thank Jesus that he continues to make himself and to make God known to us in order that the love you have for me. Why? In order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. And that is where Jesus finishes his prayer. He is going to continue to make God known to his disciples. Why? In order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. As we grow in unity, in selfless giving, we become a prophetic witness of Jesus to the world around us. Because unity is kind of a unique thing, right? I would say so. Perhaps a few of you would agree. And as we do that, God's love takes root in our lives, and we're able to share that love with others earlier in John's gospel, uh, which is also kind of a part of Jesus' parting words to his disciples. In John 13, he said this to his disciples, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Loving one another was not a new command. Loving one another like Jesus on the cross was a new command. It was a new revelation on display of who God is. The central picture, the central way Jesus is glorified in John is by Jesus going to the cross. And it's in this way, this cross type of way, this self-giving type of way that we are invited as a church community to love one another in order that the world might also know and experience the love of Jesus as well. God's love then, according to Jesus in John 13, is not ethereal. It's not like this floaty word that exists. It's a cross type of love. It's a selfless giving. And that's difficult. But the grace of God is with us in that, in the power of the Spirit. The Spirit empowers us to live in that unity. Um, So we're going to close. But I want to draw our attention to one last passage that I brought up in week one. Hebrews 7, verse 25, which says and reads, that Jesus lives, that he always lives to intercede before God on our behalf. And in this prayer, we receive the gift of reading and knowing exactly how Jesus prays for you and I, exactly how he prays for you and I. And he finishes with that, that God and Jesus would continually be made known to us and that the same love that exists between Father, Son, and spirit would also be in us. Let's pray. Uh, I'm going to invite the band up as well, and we're going to sing one last song together. Jesus, we thank you that you pray for us, not only as Hebrews says continually before the Father, but you prayed for us here in John 
17 when you prayed not only for your disciples in the room, but you prayed for all of those who would become your disciples, God. And you pray for all of those in this room who have yet to become disciples, but who are being called by your spirit to follow you, God. And we hear your prayer, your desire that we would be in you as you are in the Father and that we would be brought to complete unity, God. We thank you that we receive that as a gift, that that's something that we receive as a grace and through the power of your Spirit. And we also recognize our brokenness, God. We celebrate uh, all of all, everyone here who represents uh, individuals who you've created to be uniquely them and have called them to do what only they can do, God. And, and uh, Jesus, we pray that we would be people who are committed to unity when we face the messiness, the difficulty, God. We recognize that uh, as imperfect people that we will experience hurt and pain and frustration and being let down, God. But through your spirit, we're empowered to be people who are committed to unity, God. I pray that we would make space to behold Jesus. And as we do, we would behold the unity that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit, and the love, the selfless, giving love that exists between Father, Son, and Spirit and has existed for all of eternity, God. Help us to behold and to know and to be with you as you desire. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You're listening to the official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at www.wellchurchvt.com.